podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Nina Casa Show. You know what? Back-to-back wins for me, another four goals, clean sheets. I could get used to this royal treatment. Fantastic, fantastic result for the Reds. I'm not usually a big fan of three o'clock kickoffs because they just bang in the middle of something. But, uh, you know, what a way to sign off the weekend, you know, f- football positives. 4-0 and the crazy thing is I have, as usual, uh, two incredible guests, hopefully some callers as well. So without further ado, it is a case of old guard and new guard joining me f- after a very long time. And it's an absolute honour having him back on. It is the former host of Rate Don't Hate, Kaylon. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm all right. I'm all right, Nins. I'm absolutely chuffed. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful result. And I'm just happy to be talking to you again. I know it's been so long and you know the positivity and you know it's always great we used to do podcasts so much back in the day when when we weren't so busy but you know life happens but Kay's on and I am thrilled because this is a great win and he's an awesome awesome panelist and joining Kay I I call him <laughs> I call him the Roberto Firmino of podcasting and it is the new host of Rate.Hey a guy that needs no introduction again but I'm going to give him one it's Tadiva, Tadiva, welcome back. I like that. I, I prefer, we've given Guy Drinkle the James Milner of podcasts. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy with my role as the Roberto Firmino. Yeah. I like I, we, we called you the Roberto Firmino because you have to watch Roberto Firmino truly to appreciate what kind of player he is. And then you will give me this left field analysis of a game that I've not even contemplated before. And I'm sat there wondering. So, you know, uh, what was that quote? Um, uh, if you want to watch football, you watch Roberto Firmino. I, I've completely butchered the quote, but it's the same with you and podcasting and football. So it's a compliment. Uh, take it, my friend. Guys, a 4 0. Let's rub hands. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I know what the crazy thing is as well, guys. Four goals, four goals, and Mo Salah did not get on the score sheet. I mean, like, the end is nigh, people. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely wonderful, though. The attacking performance of the team was just ridiculous. It was abs- I think the best thing about it, the best thing was that Southampton wasn't very bad. Yeah. The, 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 you, you look at the scoreline, you go like 4-0. Oh, man, you know, they must have had a guy sent off or it must have been a lot of defensive mistakes. And, and they made one or two mistakes. But, man, every single thing that we did, it, like, it just seemed to come off today in an attacking sense. And I think the front three are just in that kind of bloody mood around this time. It's a fantastic to watch. 
Absolutely. And Justin's there come in and said Ted is Rivaldo. Um, hopefully he, Justin, our good friend will elaborate on that. And Ted, um, I'm, I'm going um, to, I'm going to come to you and, um, you know, talk to me about that because I think Kay's absolutely hit the nail on the head. Like to look at that on paper, you're going to think, oh gosh, Liverpool absolutely cruise control that. And they did. I think we look very, very comfortable. And I want to get your thoughts on this because last season we were truly, truly shocking. This season, I've not watched an awful lot of Liverpool. As you all know, you know, it's been a bit of a, a, a bit, I've had a situation where I've had to be away from football. And, um, to me, there were, there were the title winning side vibes about how we play today. And, you know, and some great Alison saves as well. So, you know, elaborate and talk to me about the front three. They looked really on form. Um, I, th- I think the, the thing for me as well is if Salah's not getting on the score sheet, there was a point in time where we would be like, okay, how, maybe we can score one, if not two. Now <laughs> we have the luxury where we're scoring four and he's not on the score sheet. So that just sums up what an attacking force we've been you know, this season and going forward at the moment. I think... Top goal scorers in the Premier League, number one, two, and three, are all Liverpool players. So we've definitely upped the attacking presence and the goal scoring presence from that sense. And I love that Jota is basically now putting pressure on Firmino. So similar to what we saw with Simicas, with um, putting pressure on Robertson, and then Robertson comes into this game and gives an amazing performance. I think Firmino sat on the bench like, oh, hell no, dude. <laughs> I got to step my game up. So it's really exciting to see. It absolutely is. And Justin has come in and has elaborated on why you're Rivaldo. You basically had you come out of nowhere and you stun us all. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. Happy, happy. Thanks, thanks Justin. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you on my, I, I dare not ask. I mean, this game was absolutely insane. And, Okay, I'm going to come to you because you kind of, um, let's talk about the team lineup. I think that's always a good place to start. At the moment, we don't have any callers. So if anyone wants to call in who's joining us live, welcome to the show. If you want to call in, uh, drop us a message. We'll get you on, most certainly. And, um, if you're feeling a bit mic shy, um, drop us a, drop us a question in the chat box. You can do that. Right. So. Okay. I'm going to come to you. Team lineup. What did you make of that? I mean, for me, initially, um, I did Euro Incision and um, I thought he's going to feel quite, you know, quite a disjointed kind of side. But then that doesn't work for us because when the key players kind of get vested, what happens is we have a bit of a meh performance and, we, you know, it doesn't really work out for us. But then you're really worried about injuries. But what Klopp did was he played the players that he needed to play and then towards the latter end of the game, bought on those players against Porto. So, um, talk to me about the lineup. Was it exactly what you expected, basically? Oh, it was a bit of a surprise, I, I must say. I thought, um, you know, I, I didn't really expect Konate to be in the starting lineup again. I'm actually pretty glad that he was. Last time I was on NKS, Gags was on, and he was asking me about the rotation. You know, we discussed a little bit about that. I like that the players are getting a couple games here, a couple games there. So, it's not like mm. 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And you see players like um, uh, Taki and Origi coming in totally out of the cold and expected to do something. That's, that's kind of never going to happen. Also, with a smaller squad to maximize those, those fatigue um, uh, mitigations and stuff like that, you really have to rotate properly and, and get it in. And this season, Klopp looks to be doing that. 
So Kanate's in, and it's a couple games. You're right, Porto was a bit of a weird performance, right? We're all kind of looking around going a little bit like, well, you know, we deserve the 2-0 win, but there was a point in that game when you're like, woof, you know, <laughs> we kind of got away with it a tiny, tiny bit. Um, but now, you know, you, so you have Kanate starting that game and then you have him starting this game and it just forms relationships. Um, and that kind of really just helps the team out. And then you have, you know, the midfield and there, I think, you know, especially with the fact that we have to share the minutes around the midfield with Genie gone and him taking so many minutes away with him. Um, I, I think we really have to juggle the midfield to kind of get those minutes through while getting the quality on. So it's always interesting to see what kind of happens. And, uh, you know, the combinations, I think, are going to be quite a lot. Obviously, the front three are the front three. But, I mean, even there again, you're, you're kind of wondering, oh, you know, does does Bobby start? You know, what happens and that kind of thing. And for this season as well, I think opposition coaches are also looking at Liverpool going like, I don't know exactly who's going to play. And that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure it helps too much, but it's it's nice. It's nice that there's not one set starting lineup, but also why it's so nice is because we're winning. <laughs> you know, so all those things sort of come together and, 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 and help us out. And I think it will, especially down the season, just really, really start paying dividends. But these days, to be honest, Nins, like when I look at the team sheets, I'm not, I'm not that fussed anymore. Because I've been wrong so many times, you know, <laughs> I've seen like Mulder in the starting lineup. Oh no, Mulder in the starting lineup, don't play him two games in a row. And then he puts out an, you know, an excellent performance, that kind of thing. So there are a few caveats that I have, like don't play Mulder three games in a row. But mostly I just, I'm, I'm calm. I'm a lot calmer now. And, I, I, you know, I'd rather see kind of what happens in the performance rather than sort of uh, taking any umbrage with it before the game. Love that. I've got two very, very pragmatic panelists today. So, Tad, I'm going to come to you. I want to get your response in the team lineup. And something that Kay just kind of said there, where he said, you know, people used to absolutely spit feathers when the team lineup was announced. And, you know, we all had, we all had an opinion on it. And, um, it's, it's great to see these players play. But I think a lot of it is now mostly down to the fact that even the players on the bench, you know, I think people are quite sold on them in some way or another. Not just that people are sold on them. I think the bench players are sold on this season as well. Um, mm. How many times have we seen, let's say, a couple of seasons back where we bring even like Origi off the bench? He looks completely different this season to the Origi we brought on last season, for example. So I think everyone is bought in from the fans to the players, staff, uh, which is good to see. And as Kay was saying, I'm not as fussed about the team starting lineups as, as I used to be. Um, the only thing I think, I think Simikas, it's unfortunate that he didn't get to keep his spot in inverted commas uh, because of the performances he's put up. But it's, that's really nitpicking. Um, the fact that he can rotate center backs, uh, I think Klopp's just doing it now because he can. <laughs> like, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> After last season, you know what? <laughs> Screw it. I'm just going to throw. I'm, he probably just throws darts on, on, on the board now and, and sees who's going to play. But um, yeah, yeah, other than that, I thought the team picked itself. It's good that players that are coming back from injury got good minutes and were, were taken off at, at decent times to just wrap cotton wool on them as well. I mean, Klopp must be in dreamland at the moment. 
absolutely absolutely to keep applying that pressure and you know just getting those positive um uh, you know positive results um right you know what guys there's some questions coming in i think everyone is a little mag shy today or they're a bit busy because it is that little bit of a weird time to you know actually sit down and maybe want to have a conversation with me i i, I get the hint people i get it don't care you're still <laughs> listen to me um so you know i'm gonna run by some questions you know because i will forget because literally i am the world's best host so Tadeva, i'll come to you first on this one they're a bit everywhere but just i've got a question here from justin then okay i'll come to you um do um, anyone notice that Jota seems to drop a little deeper and play the role closer to how Bobby does that Jota's usual way of playing? Um, I'm going to talk to you about Jota then. Obviously, he gets two goals. Um, wonderful to see him kind of play. Uh, I, one thing I love about Jota is the fact that every time he gets the ball and he's in an attacking position, he always, always kind of wants to take the shot on and I'm confident in him taking the shot. But what did you make of his performance today? Because I definitely noticed that he was sometimes at times ever so slightly trying to pull the strings behind. I mean, I think Justin is kind of right there. So, Tad, I'll come to you first on that one. Yeah, that's an interesting shout from Justin. And I suppose I'll, I'd have to look back to to see to see it for myself. I didn't notice it too much, but he was involved in a lot of the build-up play. So, you know, thinking back, I think that does make sense from, from Justin. I think the interesting thing, though, is we know at the beginning of the season – they spoke to him about his fitness issues. And if now we're getting to a point where he has upped his fitness levels and he's now able to do the Firmino role from an attacking standpoint where he's starting deeper and yet still being able to be in the six-yard box to tap in across from Salah, I think that then is kind of the the vision that they had for Jota this season that okay we know you get the goal scoring side of things um you're always in and around the box your finishing is good but can you give us a little bit more from a deeper role and get involved in the build-up but Mm. when they're having to take him off because he's finished after you know 55 minutes he can't give you both those roles he was only giving us the one which was being in the box finishing moves off but if he's not giving us you know the the build-up play and being able to finish moves off in the same move that that's very scary for for other teams so i'm I'm very um happy that he's at least built up his fitness um if that is the case and is involved in not only starting moves but finishing them off which he was already doing as well all positives here. We absolutely love Diogo Jota and, you know, let's hope we can keep him fit because, you know, we literally will be dependent on that. And, hey, your your thoughts on um, on Jota today, his performance, um, you know, getting two goals and, um, uh, you know, speaking, uh, Justin kind of speaking there, kind of, you know, him trying to kind of take on, because not two players are the same, but trying to take on the role of Roberto Firmino. I even noticed him trying to do the little flicks and things. You know, um, so give me your thoughts on on Jota because I think he he definitely injected some kind of energy in the front three because what we didn't want is the front three to kind of get stale and I think Tad hit the nail on the head there where, you know, it's good that these players who have been bought in to kind of, you know, like the likes of Chimikas and those kind of players and Ox as well to some degree and I think there's a question on him as well. But those kind of players are kind of applying some kind of pressure on the on on the starting 11 and that's only healthy. So talk to me about Jota. What did you make of him today? I, I Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good question from Just. I, I've noticed 
there, there is a narrative about Jota, and uh, this is something I've said before as well, but it's been echoed. But a lot of the times, it kind of feels like Jota doesn't get involved in the build-up play, especially previously, and then pops up with a goal or two, <laughs> you know, just to finish off the move. Um, it kind of feels like he's he's kind of like a free rider in the system, just like kind of benefiting from it, if if I could put it that way. In the past, although, like as Gag said, he's a pressing monster, and he's done. He puts in a lot of work that way. But I did know, I mean, that, that's absolutely true. I think what Tads is saying there, that he did spend a lot more time in the build-up play. It, it's a very different feeling. And I think that's kind of, you know, when you have Bobby in the starting lineup and the way he pulls play together, the selfless work that he does, and we become used to that kind of number nine, it feels a certain way, right? It feels like, you know, he's knitting the play together. He's there. He's sacrificing. He's playing for the team. He does the defensive work. And that type of position gives us a particular kind of feeling. And he's been the only one to do that for so long that it's been cemented a little while. So when somebody else comes into that position, I think, especially with Jota, the feeling is different. And today was a really good example because... Like just is intimating, and he he has come back a little bit more to help out and to stitch play. But at the same time, the individual threat he poses is so different from Bobby. I think that at times, and I think I've been guilty of it. I think at times it kind of feels like he's being selfish, and it's not. He's just a forward player. That's what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't think it's any fault of the fans or anything like that. I'm just saying I think that feeling happens a little bit. On that note, though, the first goal. The first goal, I thought Jota was really selfish on. And then, you know, the ball gets lost and it comes back. And then, he, you know, it gets cut back to him and he scores. And you're going like, oh, that's really good, but boy, I don't know if you deserve that you know, kind of thing. I thought it was really funny. But I love what he gives to the team. I think he's he's fitting in a lot more. Even against Porto, if I can if I can uh, take it back. Was it against Porto? Where did he do that, like, that's sublime what... header? Yeah. No, it wasn't against. Was it against Porto? No, he used his grip. Oh gosh, that was was it. The previous game. I'm so bad at this. I don't do radio. AC Milan really in the chat. This is what happened. <laughs> the chat's saying AC Milan. Was it? Was it AC? Um, he, he was. He was giving the ball away a couple times. You know, uh, doing riskier passes than he should have been doing. Not executing it, and then the header comes off. You know, and uh, suddenly Sadio's running onto the ball, and it's sublime. And um, and I think that, would, that for some reason it's sticking in my head that that, that goal got us two 0 up. But he he does have this thing amongst uh, Liverpool fans a lot when we watch, especially because Bobby's so good at knitting the play that I think he also feels a little bit of pressure on doing that, and it's it has taken him a bit of time to get there. But when, you know, I, I don't know if he needs to be Bobby. I just think he needs to get a bit more involved in the play. And like Salah has done a little bit this season, I think we have to wait a bit. But to find your place in all that, to be sure that you're going to be scoring goals and to be able to set things up is obviously a big feature of this Liverpool attack. Everybody can change positions. Everybody can do everybody's job. But to find your place in it and claim that, I think is going to take a little bit of time. And I think we're just seeing that transition now from Jota. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't feel you know, the place is under threat. Maybe he doesn't have to fight. He knows he's going to get games you know, because of this rotation thing, because he is scoring goals, because you know, everything is working out in training. I think there was a quote from him on social media saying that he didn't feel he had to break into the front three. 
he just felt he had to come in and do the work in training. But I think everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to score. And you want to do that to be able to force the manager to put you on the starting lineup. I think we're past a little bit of that point, And now we're seeing him just take a step back and go, I can do both things. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Jota does you know, in the, as the season progresses and how the whole team kind of develops around him, the relationship, how it changes for Bobby, that sort of thing. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. Watch this space, people. Right, got another question, Steve Pizza. And Kate, I'm going to stick with you. Um, Steve Pizza obviously can't call in, but some nice Robert and Marnie love loving would be great they combined excellent t- today um nice to see robo respond well to um uh, shimikasi's uh, pressure so okay talk to me about robo um saw him briefly against porto he's back in um taught uh, got i think he got an assist today as well yeah he got an assist so um talk to me about robo because i think before his injury people were kind of talking about he needs a break, he needs a rest, and, you know, uh, Shimikas is doing really well, he looks really great on set pieces. Robo, to me, was absolutely excellent. I love the fact that there was so much attack and energy from the left-hand side as well, because I think when Robo was having that little bit of a, you know, a bit of that, you know, dry kind of spell where mm. basically fatigue gets in your legs, let's be honest. And also Mane wasn't in the best of form as well at that point. I felt like there was a lot of pressure on the right-hand side, certainly from, you know, with the likes of Trent and, um, you know, Mo Salah having to perform on that side. But today, a really, really nice balance. And in some degrees, um, even more positive on the left-hand side. I really enjoyed his performance uh, today, especially in the first half when the game was, was sort of settling in. What I think Southampton wanted to do, was just sort of overload the midfield and and try and stop us that way. And that, that obviously means that if you're defending with, with three defenders and four midfielders, uh, unless they, they you know react very quickly, you can get behind and there's width there. And I think we exploited that. Not so much on Trent's side. That, I think, happened later in the game a bit more. But especially in the first sort of uh, half an hour, 40 minutes on, it was Robbo who was really making those runs and getting in behind and really trying to push the play over there, using the space really well. And I think you're right. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if we, we're also used to Robbo. Tads, you're in a really good position to, to sort of take this question on as well. But um, I, I know from doing Rate Don't Hate, you know, and, and sort of following what's going on with the ratings and, and stuff. You look at Robbo's performance and relative to his very high standards, where, you know, the ratings are coming in a sort of 6 out of 10. You know, Maybe you'll get a 7 out of 10 once in a while, but it's sort of around there. You kind of expect a little bit more from him. And then Timikas comes in. He, he does one of those two things. I think we also have to bear in mind that the standard Robo has set is, is you know, extremely high. And when he drops down, what is Timikas actually achieving? And this is not a criticism of either of them in any way, shape, or form. It's just more uh, a rating of performance kind of framework uh, setting. But... What happens there? Are you rating Timikas' performance relative to Robbo's six, or are we always judging according to the standard that Robertson has set in the past, you know, his tens and his eights and those kinds of things? But it's been a really long time before Robbo has, since Robbo has really affected a game like this. And I think you saw it for his assist. Um, when he assisted, I think it was the first goal, and he's, you know, he's cut it back across and Jota's knocked it in. His reaction, watch, you know, go watch the replay and watch his reaction. It's just such a release for him. 
He's, you know, he, he wants to be back. He, he obviously wants to be affecting the game in that positive way. He did it so well today. He controlled the space really well. Uh, I, I don't think they really knew what to do between him and Mane. And Mane, Mane's doing that angry thing, eh? <laughs> like, Mane does this thing where if he's angry, you are dead <laughs> as an opposition. He's going to cream you in some way. And when the two of them are on form, they really use each other really well. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how the season develops, you know, having two really good people in that left-back position. But it's wonderful to know that Robo is, you know, he's back at that level and firing. I'm not sure how the fatigue works. I don't know if it was, you know, really fatigue because it's been, it's been a while since Robo has kind of really set the field alight. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn there, Tads. Um, for me, I thought he's not been up to the robber that we saw a couple of seasons ago. But the the problem as well is it's so hard physically, mentally, emotionally, and all of that stuff. Putting Why did you in... know it's a drop-off on him? Sorry, it's really good to know when people notice this. Because for, for me, I kind of noticed it like post-COVID, like after when we came back after a lot. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Damn. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Yeah, for me, it was last season where yeah. it, it seemed like we were just flogging him unnecessarily and, and we could have given him some days to rest. But having said that, he was playing phenomenal football for two years. Like, yeah. give the guy a break. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I'm one of the people that was saying that I do think Tsimikas needs to be starting. And part of that reason was it's not to slag off Robbo because I think we all know the opinions we have on Robbo and how good he is. But... Yeah let him take a back seat, recharge his batteries, he can come again. Like, even, it doesn't even need to be next season. He can come again come end of this season. With how well we're playing, we might be in a lot of, you know, tournament situations where we need his experience. But if he's already flogged come that time, it it, it kind of doesn't work out. So it was good to see him get that assist today because I think that's probably been the biggest difference between him and Simikas is, Timikas's one set piece delivery and two just delivery from out wide has been miles ahead of Robbo for me this season. So for him to get that assist, I think it's kind of a vindication moment for him. And yeah. as long as that battle continues, I mean, he had the assist battle with Trent, you know, season yeah. on season. I think that's kind of, you know, I, I don't know if they're still doing that. It's a bit unfair if they still are. But maybe if he has a battle now, he switches that from Trent to Tsimikas. And it's all positive. Mm. Like, there's no malice towards it. It's just, I'm going to get the jersey. And the other guy's saying, no, I'm going to get the jersey. We could have the two best left-backs in the league. Like, that that could be really fun. Could be really fun. And just to add on to your point, Leslie Pizza, when you were making the point about, you know, you, you, know, you noticed the drop-off, certainly last season. And, you know, maybe it could have been Shimmy. Has been brought in, and um, Steve Pizza here with a point. Um, couldn't give him a rest due to you know the centre back issue last season. I mean, that defence would have been completely disjointed if we got rid of the left backs as well, and then the pressure on Chimikas as well, due to the due to the fact that you know if he messes up here, that's it pretty much. You know, it could really wreck his confidence. It could wreck his uh, you know the fans won't trust him. You know, there's probably a lot riding on it. So it's a case of maybe going with the familiar, albeit the familiar not being him himself. Yeah, that definitely makes sense uh, to me. And we've seen managers 
and I suppose here it's a player taking a sacrifice. We've seen managers do that as well, where they've stayed at clubs a bit longer just to make sure they can steer the ship. I mean, Wenger at Arsenal, for example. So it could be that situation with Robertson where they're saying, look, we just need you to put a shift in this season. And then saying to Tsimikas, don't worry, your time will come. Um, just, just be patient. So yeah, I, I can see where that's coming from. You don't want a completely new back line. Um, you know, when, when you're going into games. So, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything you want to add, add on there, Kay, before I bring in our probably only caller? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with those points. I like the competition point. I, I, think it's, I think it's good to just have that little bit of rivalry, that friendly rivalry to be there. And, um, you know, luckily we have not, we, we've not had any real drop-off from Trent in that respect. Um, injuries permitting you know that that kind of stuff reintegration and COVID and all that kind of stuff but I, I think I, I think there was definitely something there with Robbo you know the, and I, I don't think I don't know if Klopp always I mean one of the things I always criticize Klopp on is when you have a situation like Robbo and he's not doing well and you have a replacement for him that, and that person is doing well why not just give him a rest why not just put him on the sidelines for a little bit, relight that fire, rekindle that excitement. And it somehow, it, it sometimes comes off as favoritism, you know. And this season, I think, you know, that, to add on to the first question that we were dealing with, this season also, I think we'll start seeing positives in that respect. You, know, you can't just rest on your laurels. You're not going to be starting the whole season no matter what. Mm. That's only going to be good as well. Absolutely. And you know what? Whilst we're talking about Chimikas, um, we, we actually have a question from uh, Steve Pizza. Um, we'll keep it lighthearted before we go to our call, Adele. Um, uh, guys, is it Chimikas or Shimikas from Nina, Slayer of Names? I, keep, I call him Chimikas. I think Themis <laughs> might be the best person qualified to answer this. It's like Emre Jan and Emre Chan all over again. So you know what, panel? I'm going to put you on the spot. I call him Chimikas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Go on, okay. I call I call I call him Timikas, but I I like I just know I just know Nina's asked this question now because she's gonna she's gonna reignite the Wilfred Bonnie incident of, <laughs> of separate. You know what? That was hilarious. <laughs> How can my friend Kay sound more mank than me? But it happened, people, on a podcast. It happened. I literally choked on my dinner because I was producing that show. It was hilarious. So he, you call him Timmy Cass? Timmy Cass, yeah. Timmy Cass. Yeah. Okay, so, oh, and a new hipster, um, uh, you know, pronunciation thrown in there. And what about you, Tad? I think maybe it's the South African in us because I'm with K. I'm, I'm Timmy Cass, like Tzatziki. Timmy yeah. Cass. Yeah. We, yeah. We've got a lot of names. We've got a lot of names down here, like Tepo and you know that kind of thing. So that yeah, TS sound that's like is, is is more natural. But if somebody comes up, look, if I should go look it up. But <laughs> if somebody comes and tells me like this is the correct way to say, just like Emre Jan, then I'm gonna change you know my pronunciation. So uh, yeah, hit us up. Hit us up. Let us know what the real one is. Okay, well, Del goes, I call him Costa. Steve Pizza's like Simi Cass. And uh, um, Umbilical uh, Boy is saying Tzimi Cass. Uh, I'm probably butchering how all you lot pronounce it. But guys, how do you pronounce it? Really, really intrigued. Um, I guess it's where you come from, isn't it, Bonnie? <laughs> right, let me go on to Del. I think Del is joining us live now. So let me unmute him because 
we need to get him on. Let's see. Hey, 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 you know, hey, you know, right? hey, 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 yeah, good man, good man. Um, yeah, it's really sucked that we won 4 0 today. Uh, it was a routine victory. Um, it's just what we needed after, um, you know, uh, the Champions League game against Porto. Um, it's a nice, easy win. But the one thing I really wanted to speak about is our goals from our front three. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, I put a picture up on the Discord. Yeah, we've got the top three goal scorers in the league so far this season with Mohamed Salah with 11, Sadio Mane and Jota both with seven goals each. Um, Bobby Firmino, although he's been injured over the last couple of weeks, he's still, he's still number 10 with four goals. <laughs> wow. So, so had he not been injured, he would have, you know, he would have chipped in with another, like a couple. So we could have technically had the top five goal scorers in the league. Um, and you know, it's amazing to see as in the progression, um, in this Klopp's team. Because if you saw in the, um, the early phase of Klopp's, in 16 17, it was all like gung ho, you score, we score, this, that, and the other. But it was, I think, the 17 18 season where we started blowing teams away, uh, with, with a high percentage of goals and stuff like that. And I think we're seeing that side of Liverpool now. Where you know we're just blowing teams away. Um, I'm not sure what you guys think, but as in from a tactical point of view, if that's the case, then we're gonna smash some teams in the season. And by the way, also uh, I call him Costa. Yeah, not Cas <laughs> or Cas <laughs> or Cheetos or or, or whatever you guys call it, or Taziki. Yeah, I call him Costa. <laughs> Makes life a lot more easier. <laughs> I I like it. I like it. So, guys, what what do you make of the front three? Um, first of all, I think um, Tad, you spoke about the front three being top goal scorers. Um, uh, on the pod. Um, so talk to me about you know just how how important will it be this season for them to be kind of firing on all cylinders? We need it. Also, I'm a little bit scared of the Afghan as well. So it's really really great to see people like Jota do really well. I think I'm really, really enjoying the fact that we're seeing cameos from Minamino come in and out as well. Um, I thought, again, the brief, well, it wasn't brief, but, you know, when Ox came on as well, he looked really, like, up for it as well. You know, it's important that Jurgen Klopp integrates all these players, and I think Kay touched on that. But for me, the most frustrating thing from last season was, especially after Christmas, if my memory serves me correctly, um, Tad, was the fact that the front three didn't score an open goal from God no, from when and they were so wasteful and they were so pedantic and they looked so tired. So to see the front three really, really up for it and, you know, talk to me about that because that is going to be absolutely crucial because that was the defining moment or the defining factor of us winning the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, we need them firing on all cylinders. And... I think Jota is such a key component to that in that him being the fourth, but a fourth that Klopp trusts is so, so important. So he can get plugged into any of those positions, I feel, at the moment. But also, I think what's really cool is this season, I have a feeling that we went into the season, when I say we in terms of the coaching staff, where they went in thinking, look, 
we need to score a lot of goals this season. We need to allow the players to be creative this season. Because, yes, we have an abundance of centre-backs this season compared to last season. But if you look at the centre-backs that we do have, four of those centre-backs are coming off of injuries. So Van Dijk's coming off of injury. Gomez is coming off of injury. Matip is coming off of an injury. And remember, we signed Konate, but he was coming off of an injury last season. Um, obviously, he he then kind of recouped and all of that stuff, but he was also coming off of an injury. So to have four of your, you know, however many center backs we got now, I think we got, I think we're up to ninety eight center backs at the moment, if I'm not correct. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but all of those center backs had major injuries coming into the season, so you don't want to put too much strain on them. If we've got games where we're blowing teams out the water at least maybe it, it it lowers the load on the centre-backs. I don't know if it makes sense in my head, that logic, but it does seem like they're planned for the season saying we got to focus more on the attacking side of things than maybe the defensive side of things um, because we've got strikers and forwards who all majority of them were having a break that they've never had at Liverpool or at least not in the last three or four years, especially Mane and Salah. They're always playing international football. They actually got to get an international break. So I think it just favored us to focus more on attack this season than defense with all of that stuff factored in. Hey, what about you? I mean, the front three for you, how important is it? Because I think we spoke about this on the previous Nikaza show that the, the 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 defining moment of us winning the league um that the the season that we won it in in 1920 the season 1920 was um the running from the second international break all the way till pretty much um you know i think we did i think we got full points someone mentioned it all the way till we lost to Watford so we were impeccable in that period and that was that little, that brief spell of that big spell all the way to February, if you want to call it, we were winning all our games. So how important is it that the front three absolutely nail it right now? Because I think, you know, we've got high aspirations for this season. Have we lost? Have we lost care? Sorry, I was on mute. Ah, you know what? I love this. I love that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Talk it to yourself again. You're too good for that. Oh, it's the only way I can find intelligent conversation, man. And that's uh... <laughs> sorry. I will start again. Oh, what are you trying to say? Nina's intelligent enough. <laughs> Nina's going to start up on me just now. <laughs> She's going to kick me off the call. <laughs> Got an agenda against you now, Kay. I thought we were friends. <laughs> no, no, we're we're tight. Hey. We're tight. I'm, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> And Nina, you just don't like the uh, fact that you've got a K in your surname. That's fine. Yeah. How's it? How's it? Go on then, K. Give us your insight. <laughs> no, I, I think we've actually needed the front three to be firing this season. Uh, more than kind of the previous, no, uh, period, previous last couple of seasons, defence has been good. You know, we, we've had that tight defence. I just felt at the beginning of the season, it was a bit spotty. This, you know, things were not kind of working out. Virgil van Dijk is is putting in, you know, seven and a half and eights instead of his normal tens. But the, I mean, not, not to, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say there was a defensive crisis or anything like that. Uh, the, but we looked a little bit spotty. Andy Robertson kind of, you know, leaving players on side, that kind of thing. 
was just getting a bit tetchy. And it's so nice to have a, a get out of jail free card in in that you have the you know this ridiculous, ridiculous front three. And today was such a good example of that. They just finished absolutely everything off. I think Katie's XG graphic today was two point six or something like that. Um and we scored four, so it's it's we are outperforming XG a little bit, but by such you know, but by so little numbers that it's not unsustainable. And it just goes to show that they are doing so well at the moment. The movement is absolutely ridiculous. The way they're getting each other into position, um, the assist plus goals of each person is just you know absolutely racking up. And then added to that, something else that we haven't really seen in previous seasons is the midfield trying to contribute with goals in a much more purposeful way than before so you have Tiago and you have Ox who are taking more shots uh in, at least in my kind of you know to my eye uh than previous seasons and I, I think that helps I, I think it really helps when you have to worry about the midfield and the goals that are coming from there as well now you have to guard that threat and that's just going to leave a little bit of extra space for Mo Salah on the side Sadio Mane on the side etc and we've seen that already in the play in the build-up play I could pass it to Thiago. Oh, no, somebody's going to go out to get him. The defense has shifted and Mo is a little bit free. And all such is the standard now of our front three that all they need is that little bit of space and they're going to start, they're going to start making things. And in small pockets, the quality is so high. The interplay and the quick passing, the control, and then the finishing. It's, it's just such a joy to watch. And like Dal was saying, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it, it felt like a regulation demolition, if I can put it that. No, absolutely no disrespect to Southampton. Like I said, they, they, I thought they played well. I didn't think they, you know, if, I, if my team put in that performance, I'd be walking away going like, we didn't, you know, we might have deserved to lose, but like 4-0, no, that's, that's a bit much. And I think Hassan Hutel can walk away from that feeling that there's a lot of positives in the game. But wow, you know, you play a team like that, you don't play badly, you don't get a red card. They're not any glaring defensive mistakes that can account for an extra two goals. And that happens. It's just, you know, wow, wow. Is there another, is, you know, w- w- which other striker, let alone, you know, or forward player, let alone the front three or front two or whatever you want to put it for, is playing to that level? And none. It's a, it must be so scary to come up against. How do you defend against that? So just, just good stuff. Just really wonderful forward play. And it's, it seems to be getting better and better every game somehow. Clinical stuff from our front three. And guys, uh, Del, thank you so much for your call. Uh, stay with us. We're just going to take a oh, quick I'll, break and no, we'll be I'll... back. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalgleish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists, we'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. 
Right, guys, we're back. Uh, still talking about the Reds absolutely hammering Southampton 4 0. I hope um, uh, you're still with us. It's just my, it's myself now. It's Tadiva and Kate. We're going to carry on talking. Guys, we're a little pressed for time because this is what we do on the Nina Casa show. So, you know what? I'll, um, I'm going to come to you, Tadiva, first. We're going to talk about the key moments from the game. And it was something that Kay touched on that, you know, Southampton played really well. And one thing I kind of noticed was certainly in the first half, I mean, they did apply. Um, you know, Liverpool were their usual, like, impeccable self from all the good results that we've had this season. But there was something really, really strange going on with the defence and midfield. I felt like sometimes they were kind of walking through it quite easily. But can we give a little bit of credit to Alice and Becker? Um, because... In that first half, we're comfortable. It's 3-0, but had he not produced some crucial saves, you know, we could have been very, very different. And the complexion of this game could have been very, very different had he not been alert. And it's quite bizarre because he actually had nothing to do. It was like Manuel Neuer-esque in terms of he might have been a pedestrian for most of the game, but the difference was every time he's called into action, he was sharp. He was my man of the match for the first half. Mm. Um, he was so good and the thing for me is we've missed or we've been looking for a keeper that can do that for so long at Liverpool where if you're at a team that like Liverpool that likes to have the ball quite a lot a keeper's not going to get to get their iron you're not going to be Ramsdale where you're making 50 saves that are all coming straight at you and, and yeah. you get to, you know, dive at them and, and now you, your attention is kind of sparked, so to speak. It's a, it's, a, it's a chess, it's a mental game that he has to play all game where he's sitting there um, watching us pass the ball around and have to be alert when the moment comes. That's a completely different skill set um, that, that's needed from a goalkeeper and from an elite goalkeeper is... Can you not see any action for 20 minutes, but then be faced with a one-on-one situation and deal with it? And time and time again, he came up with that. I mean, even, for example, the, the, the chance that they had where Thiago lost the ball right at the edge of our box. And Allison comes out, gets two hands on it. You know, it could easily be a penalty if the striker can tap the ball before Allison gets there. But things like that, don't become talking points after the game because he's he stopped it before it's become a talking point. Yeah. But it's such a crucial situation in the game. So I, I thought he did really fantastic. And it's so nice to have a goalkeeper that we're going to make mistakes sometimes because we have the ball so much. It's just statistically impossible not to make some mistakes every now and then. But when we do make them, we're not punished for them. Like he always comes up big and going forward, you know, there will be times where he'll have a misplaced pass or something like that, or he'll rush out too early and will concede from it. But it's games like this where he's saving us so many points that I'm willing to take those lost points in inverted commas in future games down the road because of games like this. It, I, it's, it's exactly what you need when you're a, a side like Liverpool that likes to, be, to play with the ball. Absolutely. And Kay, talk to me about Alison Becker because, you know, I think we all absolutely love him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's the man for the big moments. Let's not forget his, mm. his, his goal against West Brom last season, which always makes me laugh because it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just iconic. But 
those crucial saves. And I remember again last season, I hate doing that comparison because obviously people always go back to it. But, um, you know, he had a real, real rough time, you know, with, with the passing of his father. And, you know, he came mm. back into football and his head, you know, naturally, you know, he was a little bit everywhere. And, you know, people were questioning him and, you know, which is absolutely ridiculous. But that's our keeper right there. I mean, he is so, so crucial. And for me, I mean, like, you've got to have that talk. I mean, Tad just said it might be the best goalkeeper on the planet, but just how important were them saves today? I, I think Tad's you know, touched on something incredibly important, which is you don't actually understand how good Alisson is until you start comparing him to the other quote-unquote top or form keepers mm-hmm. in the league. And if you look at someone like Ramsdale, if you look at Mendy from Chelsea, they're the ones getting all the plaudits currently. I don't, I don't, you know, I look at them and I think from a, just from a goalkeeping perspective, I think they're fine. I don't think they're in that like very top bracket of, you know, keeper in the Premier League. I think what's happened is their defenses have gotten better and are allowing shots through particular channels and that makes them look, look good. Especially like Ramsdale, especially, bro, the, the, the ball can be coming towards, I don't know how, but he will somersault to get that ball. Like, you know, people people like the flash saves and, and that kind of thing. And it looks really good, but there's a reason why you put four through you, um, you know, at Arsenal. And and when you get your shots right, the your keepers haven't got the ability to go that extra level, which is not a, you know, that that's not a big deal. You're doing really well at the moment. You're working together with your defense. It's cool. But Allison is absolutely clear. He makes all these moments so calm. His positioning. He did he did a thing today where somebody shot at him and he just literally just stood there and waited and just, you know, he almost watched the ball just go into his hands. And you have to look at those moments and think like, what is your positioning like? Where you have to move so little to you know to be so good. And then on top of that, and then on top of that, pull out really top moments where you where you're you're making just absolutely incredible saves when you need to, as Tad says, after long periods of not being involved in the game in any way, shape, or form. It must be an absolutely... I mean, how, how crazy it is to have that skill set <laughs> and then that we have him, you know, that we have him. And, you know, you've got the defense in front of him to back him up too, to, to limit the amount of shots. It's just a blessing. Alison <laughs> Becker is just a blessing. Absolutely is. You're smiling here. Okay, um, I've got a quick question. Ted, I'll come to you because I'm just rotating between you. Um and Bill Coboy, he's got a question for you. Um Matip or Konate, who who's quicker? Konate seems to take a bit of time to wind up to top speed, but seems to block shots, etc. comfortably. Um so give me your thoughts on that one. Another thing I kind of noticed as well with Konate as well is, you know, he doesn't look Shaked or phased up when you know he's under pressure in 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 his own box. Like I think there was a a moment in the first half where I can't think one of the Southampton players was just kind of behind him and he had enough time to kind of rotate, turn around, look up and play the the pass out rather than panic out and freak out. And you know, usually I've had defenders where I'd have anxiety in those little hot spots. Not Matip per se, but, you know, previous ones and no names mentioned. But look very calm and composed considering he's, you know, he's a new guy. Yeah, he's done well um, since coming in. In, in terms of the question, I, I think Kanate is faster. Um, as um, Umbelic 
Call Boy. <laughs> I almost butchered the name. Um, as, as, as they've mentioned, Konate seems to take a bit of time to wind up to top speed. But once he gets going, he's like a freight train. It's really hard to stop him. But for me, I, I, I think he's, I think he's slightly faster than Matip. Um, Matip as well, maybe because he's got that long stride. Um, I've never been a fan of long strides, but that's just a, a personal issue we don't have time to get into right now. But I, I just think Matt uh, Kanate looks a lot faster. Is he faster? Uh, if I was to you know bet, I would say Kanate is faster. What about UK? Kanate's got to be faster. Could, yeah, surely, is this? Do we not have speeds? He must be faster. He might. I mean, Matip, and this is no criticism because I'm part of the same team, but we look, we, Matip and I both look like giraffes when we're running. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. We can't be. It's, it's, you, I, somehow, Matip is never caught for pace. So I'm, I'm not you know, trying to say that he's, he's, it's a problem or anything, but surely Kanate is faster. Surely. Does no one have his speed? There's, like the top speed thing? Uh, I suppose we have to get Brandish on the show. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. And, uh, <laughs> it he, must he, be like, Kanate. <laughs> it must be Kanate. And I think what's absolutely staggering there is obviously when you look at his physicality as well. You know, he's a big guy. You know, and you know, for him to move that, you know, to have that kind of pace is awesome. I think. Would you? Would you say it's fair to say that from all three, Gomez is the quickest? When fit, yeah. Mm. I yeah, think so I think so. Well. Is that at like top speed or off the mark? I think even I suppose both. Mark. I yeah, suppose I both. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then, guys. So, thank you, Bill Boy. That's it. Now, people are going to be looking at top speed now for who is actually quicker. Right. Let's kind of move on, guys. Let's talk about, um, you know, maybe maybe some of the key moments, and maybe let's just talk about the goals. And uh, okay, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, Jota obviously got a goal. Um, what I found absolutely alarming. Please do not judge me on this. But um, I did miss the first goal. I'm not going to lie because my um, my stream was playing up. It's a three o'clock kickoff. I couldn't really get it to work. And I was quite shocked when we were one nil up and Jota has scored because um stark difference to maybe how we started the game against Arsenal. Um, I felt like Liverpool looked really, really up for it. Um, you know, Jota getting a goal pretty early on. So um, uh, talk to me about Jota's goals because the second one was wonderful as well. Yeah, he was. I mean, the movement and what, the stuff in the box is just absolutely excellent. But the the play before that between Sadio and Robo, so clinical but so assured. It, you know, you, it's almost like you could see it happening. You just couldn't do anything to stop it. I loved that. I loved the interplay and how uh, Sadio waited for him. How Robo, you know, the, the collection of the ball after losing it, and then to do something like that with two players versus I think they were surrounded by about three was absolutely excellent to watch. And then on for Jota, for Jota, you know, when, when you have a shot, lose the ball, especially in that situation, maybe you should have passed. It's easy. It's, it's really easy, I think, to just go, well, you know, that's it. And, and kind of uh, sulk a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. And he was immediately back on his bike, immediately looking for the space and making himself available for Robertson. I mean, it was just such a good goal, especially after Southampton had their, uh, you know, their tipple and 
that was almost a, you know, they almost scored from that. There was very early scare. Then to go back down to the other end, it was so important in that passage of play because I think Southampton's game plan was really, really get out of the blocks super fast. Give, you know, really chuck it at Liverpool, see what they can get. If they score a goal and a little bit in control, the early goal from us just turns everything on its head. Everything was on its head. And now Southampton are in a bit of a conundrum. Do they push for this thing? Because we've obviously punished them once. They know how good we are in transition. It just disrupted their game plan to such an extent. And that was obviously the first step in us, you know, going for getting that goal so early, but also getting it at the time when it was absolutely the worst for Southampton from such a high level of confidence uh, of going like, oh, we nearly scored. We have this, guys. We can get behind them to conceding like that. I mean, that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. But critical, critical first goal. Absolutely. And what about you, Tad? Talk to me about, you know, the Jota goals um, just in general. Um, uh, You know, the floor is yours. I'm, I'm looking forward to the analysis. (laughs) <laughs> no, it, look, it it was good build-up play from Mane and Robertson. And I think that's probably what would favour Robertson starting over Tsimikas at the moment is, yes, Tsimikas has the delivery and all that, but the connection that Mane and Robbo have when they're both on form, you, you can't substitute that. You, like, you, you, you can't teach it. Um, it. It will take time for Tsimikas to get there with someone. But... They were just so in sync. Um, they were both running off of each other with the goal specifically. Mane is the one that's out wide, probably in the left back position. Robbo sees that. He doesn't try and go back into his left back position. No, Mane's already covering it. You know what? I'm going to be Mane. And he makes a run basically inside the box on the left hand side. And Mane sees the run, plays it to Robertson. And so often this season, we've seen where. Robertson gets mixed up with the runs that people are making or the call to what kind of ball to play. Um, if, if he should be cutting it back, if he should be playing it in behind the defenders and, you know, between the keeper and the defenders or lofting it up, whatever the case may be. This case, I think decisions kind of made for him, which was really good in that he has to cut it back because we've got two guys on the penalty spot driving forward, and that's Salah and Jota. And either one of them could have scored. And I think Salah was probably a bit irritated that uh, Jota got there ahead of him. But, hey, you know, when you've got a fox in the box like like Jota, he's going to get on the end of those. And it's it's just an easy tap-in for whoever gets there. So Salah would have gotten there as well if Jota wasn't there. So that's really good fun to see. Um, the connection between Mane and Robertson is really exciting to see in that goal. And then the second goal as well is just brilliant number nine play. And we spoke about how Jota, he's got that in his locker, that number nine, um, you know, playing off the shoulder type typical striker, but he's not adding in the build-up play as well. But this specific goal is to do with that first bit that Jota sort of came in with when he came into Liverpool, which is, as a striker, your bread and butter goal is in the, I call it the chicken box. So in the six-yard box, tapping the ball in. Because those goals can get you from drought to drought. It is basically how they coach it. To say, if you can get into that six-yard box, on your toes, looking to react to anything that's around there, Getting those cheap goals, because everyone will say they're cheap goals because they're so close to goal, but getting those cheap goals can sometimes cut off a drought or 
just keep you ticking over in terms of scoring goals. So they're so undervalued. And for so many seasons, when Firmino was that number nine, Liverpool didn't have that person. So we mentioned, for example, last season, and, and Jota was injured at this point, where Liverpool just couldn't buy a goal. That would be the time where your striker would get a tap in in the six yard box to so sort of just release the pressure a little bit there. So it was good to see Jota get that goal. And I think it's, it's important for us going forward that he recognizes he needs to be in those positions for those goals. Um, and then in terms of the build up play for the second goal, I mean, that connection between Henderson, Robertson, Salah, where Henderson will overlap. Trent basically decides whether he's coming inside or out or going outside, depending on what the situation is. And then Salah, they, Henderson and Trent are trusting that Salah is that good that he'll make the right pass. And more so than not, he or he, you know, he makes that right pass. It's so hard to mark that because we're basically playing three on two on that on that side of the pitch. And I think that's that's been a key factor. We spoke about you know us scoring lots of goals this season. I think that's been a key factor this season of overloading that right-hand side. And oh, it's it's just, it's really cool to see that all of the stuff is kind of working. Like the things they've been working on is actually working when they get onto the pitch. Absolutely. And hey, I'm going to come to you. Uh, we saw Tiago score a wonderful, gorgeous goal, um, which I hope doesn't get forgotten uh, against Porto. Got a goal again today. Albeit took a deflection, but it pretty much was on target. They've given it him, and rightly so. But for me, um, he's an incredible, incredible um, addition to the midfield. I love the 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 combination of him and Fabinho in a team. And you you kind of spoke about the front three getting a lot of goals. I also feel like it's you know, and you spoke about the whole team kind of stepping up, and it was great today to see you know. Uh, uh, our maestro getting in on the action as well today. Again, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I remember when he when he joined initially, and you look at his technique; it's just so absolutely clean, mad all the time. He's just he's so on it all the time. And he he had a couple of shots from long. I remember saying then to a couple of people in WhatsApp, "Yeah, you know, this guy's going to get a couple goals for us from you know." And then it kind of didn't happen. And now, thankfully, it's starting to. To, uh, to pick up. And I think he just looks like he's really enjoying his football. He just, you know, he looked, mind you, he was trying to make the match really interesting today. I haven't forgotten the mistakes in defense, bro. Like very early on, when was it? It was like the third minute or something like that. Uh, like Thiago messes up and he almost gives away a shot in the box and Allison saves him by, by, by rushing the, the attacker. Like I haven't forgotten all that stuff. He did it a couple times. But you you know, I mean, it's, uh, he just brings something so special and excellent to everything he does. It, it's it's lovely to watch his no-look passes. I remember there was a tweet that says, I think it physically pains Thiago to kick the ball the same way his face is facing, which is absolutely class analysis. He He brings such a lot to midfield, especially when we've had a midfield in the past, which is so workmanlike and so pragmatic, which has gotten us success, and that's wonderful. Um you know, not knocking that midfield. But when Thiago's in there, you have such an array of weapons at your disposal. It's You can control the game. You can decide the tempo. You can uh, create from there. And now he's adding that, that scoring. 
and look at him when he scores. I think, you know, it's, it's, he really wants this whole thing to work out, to be successful, not for himself. I think he just wants to be a part of this Liverpool thing, you know, the joy of football. And the marriage of someone like Thiago with someone like Klopp, where you have this enthusiasm for the game and a recognition that you're being part of something that's bigger than yourself, and, but you can also, your particular strengths can help enhance that. It, it must be so wonderful. You know, and I think we're seeing the, the fruits of that. I don't care how it goes in. I don't care if it was a deflection or not like that. Let him shoot. Uh, we'll see the fruits of, uh, of, of those efforts just continually throughout, uh, throughout his time with us, I think. Happy days indeed. And Tadeva, what do you make of him? Oh, he's been fantastic. Um, and it's good to see that we're, we're getting goals from midfield. I, I think I tweeted at the time, I, I didn't realize we were allowed to, to score goals from midfield for, because, you know, for so long, we've abandoned that tactic. Um, we just have water carriers in midfield, or at least that's the narrative that we've been given. But now, if you're looking at it, we've got Thiago, we've got Ox, we've got Cater, we've got Henderson. Um, I think he was unfortunate with his chance where Salah pulled it back. And I think Henderson was kind of caught between am I shooting or am I crossing and, and kind of ended up not deciding on that one. And, and we saw the result of that. But that Thiago finish, look, I'm convinced it was going in and maybe I'm biased because I'm a Liverpool yeah. fan, but irrespective of the deflection, I thought it was going in. I, I, I think... I was listening to, I think it was Irish TV or something, um, cheap plug, the benefits of libertyshield.com. Uh, I didn't have any issues with my stream. So I was able to just find the Liverpool, just search the Liverpool game and I got it. But dependent on wh- where I was watching it, I think it was Irish TV. And they were like, oh no, that, that, that ball was not going in. So the deflection helped him. And I'm thinking, mm, not from where I was sitting. I, I thought it was going in. And hey, at the very least, at least he bought a ticket. You know, you're not going to win the lottery unless you buy a ticket. So it, whether it was going in or it wasn't going in, at least he shot. And as Kay was saying earlier, that is so massive for our front three. If people are going to double mark our front three or close the space in and around our front three, then you have guys like Tiago driving forward and saying, you know what, well, I'm going to shoot that creates so many problems for the other team because what do you do? You, you, can't, you can't do both because there's just not enough room on a football pitch to do both. So, yeah, it was good to see him score. And I think it's vital for us going forward, um, him scoring that goal, or at least us getting a threatening presence from midfield. Uh, it's going to be a lot of headaches for, for teams planning to play against us in the future. And it's great because we don't want to be predictable, you know, so it's good that we have a midfielder that will certainly, certainly fancy his chances and, you know, looks quite threatening and, you know, has got a quite clean strike on him. And I agree with you, Tad. I thought that was going in, in my humble opinion. Tad, I'm going to stick with you because anything that the midfield can do, the defence can do too. And it's that man, the man who has the best, like, resting bitch face, Rosal van Dijk, (laughs) you know, getting in on on the scoring as well. Um, talk to me about that one it's just great to see goals coming from everywhere I think it's important I think it's crucial and um, it's just kind of nice I'm, I'm getting the good vibes again 
Yeah, it, it it was a good vibe goal, wasn't it? And and the the interesting thing for me is it still counts as a set piece goal. So so those numbers get to go back up again. That's always good. But it's a volley like on basically the penalty spot. I don't know what was going on with their marking, but hey, that's that's their issue, not ours. I thought he connected with the ball really well. And similar to the chance that Ox had um where he kind of Ox kind of hit it straight at the keeper. In both situations, you're just trying to get that on target. Yes, you can be critical and say, put it in the corner, so to speak. But just hit it as well as you can and get it on target. And you're hoping that it goes in. And I think Van Dyke did that because other keepers maybe would have saved it. If if Allison didn't save that, maybe there might be criticism for him because it's kind of it's kind of at the keeper, but it's at you know it's really low. And it's enough away from his body that he can't use his feet. And that's probably a really hard place for a keeper to go down because that's the furthest distance because he has to go down and inwards, you know, to try and stop it. So it was good to see him score from a set piece and not have to use his head. That that was very weird. But good. Yeah, that's what felt so strange to me, Kay. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. It was It was so weird. I, I was sort of looking down on my phone and then the goal happened. I'm like, oh, no, I missed it. And when I watched the replay, it was, what was, the, you know, what was the, the Southampton defense really doing there? They just sort of all ran ahead of the ball and and Virgil van Dijk was the one kind of running onto it in acres of space. Um, uh, he more or less had kind of escaped his marker. But I, th- that's, it's it's a kind of goal where you're going like, you know, okay, guys, let's get one for Mo or let's get one for Millie or, you know, whatnot like that. It, it felt like that kind of goal. Like what you're saying, that feel-good factor was was kind of definitely there. And that's a huge advantage to, also to having centre-backs who are ball-playing centre-backs is when they connect with the ball in those kinds of situations, they firstly don't, you know, fluff their lines, they don't panic. And secondly, they hit it with a little bit of something. So I totally agree with what Tad was saying. You know, you, you are looking to get it on target. But I think that confidence of, playing the ball regularly, uh, had long passing, being able to control your passing ability a bit more than the average centre-back, I think really helps in that respect. It, it's it's um, it's also really good that Verge got it. I, I think, like I said, he, you know, having a slightly shaky start to the season, although that's probably behind him, but the more the feel-good factor just perpetuates in Liverpool, the better. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So, love it. Absolutely. I mean, guys, um, we've pretty much spoken about the key moments. Another thing I want to kind of add as well, um, uh, this is our little closure part where you kind of talk about things that maybe weren't discussed in the game and you want to get it, you want to get it off your chest. Um, there's no closure. I think we're all happy. I think we can talk about this game for, for at least till Wednesday. I mean, it's a nice little tee up for the Merseyside derby. It? Rafa Benitez and his blue noses must be quivering in their boots at the sight of this Liverpool side and the the form that they're in. Um, one thing I really liked, guys, was um, the substitutes, the, the substitutions that were made. I like the fact that, you know, it feels very much like managing minutes. I'm also quite impressed with the fact that Ox is looking really good. He's getting a lot of game time now. He looks really alert. I think, Tad, you kind of spoke about his shot that he took as well. I thought when Minamino came in as well, um, you know, he to me, he's looking much, much stronger on the ball now. I think that was a criticism of Jurgen Klopp of Minamino. But 
I like the fact that he's trusting him a lot more. I like the fact that, that a senior player like James Milner came on, you know, at a really, really comfortable time. You know, these are all positives. The fact that, you know, these these players were bought in and, um, you know, we, you know, we didn't concede. I think nobody wanted to wreck the clean sheet. So for me, I was really happy with the substitutions. I like the fact that they were kind of, were able to rest these players because I think Jurgen Klopp knows that this whole rotation and resting players and, and sort of them managing their minutes is going to be crucial if the aspirations are high this season. I mean, is there anything you guys want to get off your chest? I, I quite like the subs. I, I really enjoyed the fact that Milner came on at a time when we felt like we were kind of just cruising through it. I don't mm. think Jürgen likes that. I, I, you know, I think he came on and, and sort of, uh, you know, shouted a bit of instruction and got people to up the tempo a little bit. I like that. I like that we can control the tempo and that Klopp is controlling the tempo via the substitutes. That was really cool. Um, I also like that, you know, uh, I mean, it follows on from your point, Nins, having Fabinho and Thiago in there will form a really good core and then it kind of releases the other midfielder to do what they need to do. And I really enjoyed the fact that Henderson was supporting Salah especially. Uh, a lot of the times, Salah kind of feels at times in a game, not all the time, but at times in a game, he can feel a little bit isolated, especially from the midfield. And I really like that Henderson was there to support. And we saw that obviously with the second goal and, and how, how they sort of, you know, between them and the interplay got going. I don't think that goal happens if you don't have somebody like either Elliot or Henderson there, and I don't know if anybody else really, really fulfills that role from a midfield position. So, yeah, I mean, just a you know, nice little shout-out to the captain there for, for what he's done, given that we've discussed like everything absolutely, else. Absolutely, absolutely. And what about you, Tad? Anything you want to get off your chest before we move on to Man of the Match? Uh, no, nothing from me. But, yeah, just to echo the fact that it was good game management from Klopp. Uh, so many times we complain about his substitutions, but I thought he got them spot on today uh, and last week for, for that matter as well. So it, if Klopp's getting his subs uh, on point as well, that that's an added bonus from our side. Absolutely. Zero complaints here. Right, guys, um, uh, I've given you enough time. I, I need a man of the match chat from both of you. And I will come to Kay first on this one. Kay, who's your man of the match and why? I think you could. You've got a number, of, a number of candidates for this one, obviously. But I think for me, just I would give it to Robbo this time. I, you know, it's, it's been his first time, from my perspective, in quite a long time he's had that level of game where it's his standard and you know his specific skill set has shone to that level. I think he enjoyed it as well. He might be the one that benefited most from this game today. And yeah, uh, you know, everybody else was sort of there. You can always give it to Jota. But I think for me, Nins, I'm going to give it to Robbo. No, I like that. That's a good shout. And I think, you know, when, when Kay is talking about you can give it to, you know, numerous players, of course, Jota being the obvious, getting two goals, you know, we're talking about Robbo there. I think Thiago had a really excellent game as well. You know, you could say Alisson as well for keeping us in it at half time because, you know, those saves were crucial. So, to Diva, I'm going to come to you. I think Kay nailed it on the head. Um, giving it to Robbo because he kind of. Why do you sound so surprised? I do it all the time. That's, that's <laughs> my modus operandi. What the hell is this? I'm <laughs> no, it's, it's just like. 
what is happening? It is snowing in July. <laughs> it, it's a it's a player I hadn't actually thought about for man of the match, but it it makes sense. Like he needed to step up this game, and he did. Like there was so much pressure on him. Um, um you know, players look at the Twitter, uh, you know, on Twitter and all of that stuff. Anyway, there's been question marks about Robbo for months on end now. Um, Tsimikas is playing well. You get thrown in to start the game, and he didn't put a foot wrong. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Kay. I'm going with Robbo. I like it. And, you know, the surprise element was more the fact that the, the kick up the backside um, uh, that Robbo needed actually worked with it. You know, Tsimikas, you know, hot on his heels. So, I think, Tadeev, mm. I'm going to back you up. I think you were more surprised that, you know, that was the game that Robbo needed, and he got it. Yes, like, definitely. Yeah. Look at me, I got your back. I got your back. Okay, <laughs> guys. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm also dropping you a compliment there, Kay. Look at me. I'm such a you know calm. Oh, everything's happening today. Wow. <laughs> I know. I'm the calming energy. I think you know what we'll have to give it to Robo. I think I initially was gonna say Alison, 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 and I came into this podcast with that mindset because of what he did in the first half. But what you guys have just said, uh, I think it's right and I think it's fair. And I think it's nice. I don't think I've given it to Robbo in, I, I can't remember when I gave it to Robbo. So you know what? That'd be a nice one. I'm going to give it to Robbo. Guys, who were your shouts for Man of the Match? Let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, once again, um, we have come to the end of this show. A massive thank you to everyone who joined us live, who posted in their questions. A massive thank you to Dell. A huge thank you to these two excellent gents, gents who, you know, help me on this podcast so before i let them go we're going to get some plugs uh to diva i'm going to come to you first where can people find you and you know more of that rate and rate don't hate stuff let people know yeah you can find me on twitter at tad predicts um we're gonna have rate don't hate i think we're probably going to record it tomorrow if not monday so definitely get your ratings in subscribers if you're not a subscriber yet that's one more reason to to become a subscriber to anfield index pro you can get your ratings in we discuss the the ratings from our panel the ratings from the ai pro subscribers um yeah it's good fun also uh check me out on the sister channel on epl index um i've got a podcast there called a tad predictable we do game week predictions, uh, scoreline predictions each week in the Premier League. Obviously, their game's midweek this week. So we've got kind of like a an Avengers-type scenario where I'm not just bringing one guest on. I've got a whole bunch of guests that are sending in their, score, their, their scoreline predictions to me. Um, I think via voice note or something. And then I'm just going to play those and, and react to them. So, yeah, check that out on EPL Index. Wonderful stuff. And what about UK? Where can people find you on Twitter and, you know, some work you'd like to plug? Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at the kilns of the underscore K-Y-L-N. Um, I don't pod as much as I used to because Tad Tab stole my job at Rate Don't Hate and uh, it's not something we talk about. <laughs> no, totally joking. <laughs> totally joking. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking to try to bring out a triple sub uh, pod uh, it's happening extremely sporadically at the moment there's a lot of planning going on not a lot of podding going on but we'll we'll try and discover get you something hopefully in the in the sort of coming weeks but yeah do check out rate don't hate uh, it's a lovely bunch of people uh podcast that's quite close to my heart and has doing a wonderful wonderful job with it and guy and hannah are always just um, amazing so yeah if you have a if you have a minute 
it, it uh, go check it out. You can also help rate the the players, and you know uh, that's a nice way to interact with the channel. So go check it out. Absolutely, and when Kay and Shri and uh, Leva get together, my gosh, they give our front three a run for their money. So you know, keep your ears peeled for that podcast, people. Right, that is the end of Nina Kaza show. I hope you enjoyed the result. Hope you enjoyed the performance. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Really, really loved that. Um, once again, thank you to everyone. Take care. Until next time, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds. And it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.